Well, good morning. Great to be here with you. Uh, my name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor of Restoration Church. And we are uh, a church that has services in multiple places in New Hampshire. And last week I announced to you that in the fall we'll be opening our fourth location in Milton, New Hampshire. And we're really, really excited about that. You know, we have no idea really what God's up to. We know what His will is. His will is that none would perish but that all would have the opportunity to hear about him and receive uh, everlasting life through him. Uh, but as far as like for us, you know, we don't know, you know, we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow. We, we don't know um, when he'll return. We don't know ultimately what he wants to do through our church. But um, we've been dreaming for a long time, for nine years, about what we're doing now that we'd be having services We've been praying for nine years that we'd be able to have services all throughout um, uh, northern New England here, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. And it's begun to happen. Uh, this week, someone I'd never met before um, uh, messaged me, emailed me, and said, hey, my family, my, uh, we moved from Texas to northern New Hampshire, and we've just been praying, and we just, if you ever, you know, just keep our area in mind if there's ever a chance you could plant a church up here. And uh, you two and a half hours away from here, how they heard about us, how they got connected, I'm not really sure, but we know God's up to something. So our response is always, we're going to do whatever God tells us to do. And uh, we don't think he's telling us that yet, but we're open to, to when he tells us to, and just going to do whatever God asks us. And so it's just exciting, an exciting time um, to see new people coming to church every week, new people coming to know the Lord every week, people coming back after decades away, and uh, it's exciting for me to see God moving people here from other parts of the country to be a part of what's happening here. Uh, it's all very exciting. It's all very good. Well, as we uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles, we're going to move into uh, our message this morning. We're starting a series called Passion, which you have already noticed. Um, right now, the, the weather this winter hasn't actually been so bad. So those of you who are here from, uh, or, or this is your first winter, uh, this has been really good, really, really nice winter. But um, uh, not the last real cold stretch we had, but the one before that, um, it was coming. Check the 10-day forecast, and you just see you know, negatives during the night zero degrees during the day, wind chill factors that are otherworldly. And when that's happening, um, for me, I, you, you know, I was ready for winter, so I wasn't worried. Actually, I was kind of looking forward to it. I love a good snowstorm and even a cold stretch um, at, at different times in my life would really worry me. But for Michelle and I, in our house, we're heating with a pellet stove right now. And um, and. We, we just absolutely love it. For us, it helps us to heat cheaper. Um, Michelle loves it because it's really warm. So uh, when I, we, you know, usually um, I'm always seeing her. She's like sitting on the ground in front of the pellet stove heating up. But I really love it. So uh, the storm's coming in, in January. This cold front's coming in. And we've got a couple tons of pellets in the garage. The pellet stove's running, and so I'm just like, hey, this doesn't bother, it's not going to bother us at all. We're going to be really nice, really warm. And so the cold front comes in, it comes in in the afternoon or whatever, and that night is going to be in, you know, negative teens, 
And that night, my pellet stove quit working. And I was like, what in the world of all the bad timing? So that night, I mean, I'm on the ground. I'm tearing the whole thing apart. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong and eventually just come to the conclusion that the new auger motor, I put in an auger motor, it's really the, the thing that makes the entire thing run. The new auger motor I put in was already toast after like three weeks. And um, so I finally like figured that out. It was late at night and I um, emailed the company and said, hey, it's freezing cold here. And anyway, they did replace the motor, but it took a few days to get there. So when it finally showed up, the temperatures raised up, and uh, it wasn't quite as bad. So that entire cold stretch, we had, <clears throat> we had the house at like 60 degrees to because uh, I didn't want to have to fill the oil tank because that's it was not money we had budgeted, and uh, it was not anything I wanted to do. So freezing cold house. Now, I'm about to just uh, lay some truth here for you. That, uh, that you may know and you may have experienced, but um, uh, it goes like this. Uh, a cold marriage is worse than a cold house. And if you've, ever, um, if you've ever had to experience that, or maybe you grew up in the home and that was the way your parents were, you understand, uh, you understand how really kind of tragic that is. For us in this series, as we talk about this, the thing that I want to try to talk through is that a cold marriage really is a, a passionless marriage, and that there's something for us that God has for us in our relationship with our spouse, something that he's ordained and given to us, this thing called passion, and it really is something that he wants for us. And as we walk through this message, I want to just to use the illustration to help you to connect and understand the things that we're talking about. So I want you to think about marriage as being the physical structure of a house. And uh, so you've got this marriage, and um, you know, just as the, radiate, the radiating heat of a wood stove or a pellet stove or even a fireplace, uh, you, you have that source of heat within that household, it makes everything better in that house. So if you've never had the opportunity to do this, but think about this. Um, those of you who do have a wood stove or you have a really good imagination, uh, it makes everything better. So your morning devotionals, you get your cup of coffee, you've got your Bible, and you're reading it in the morning. How great it is to read that in front of a wood stove or in front of a fireplace. I mean, it just kind of enhances the entire time that you're there, and it's something that you really look forward to. And uh, come... When summer's ending and fall and the leaves are starting to turn and the air is getting a little bit crisp, you'll see so many people posting about that. Can't, kind of can't wait for that moment. Also, having a wood stove or a pellet stove, it makes even the coldest, blistery snowstorm, uh, it makes it enjoyable. Because you know the entire world is going to shut down and it's, gonna, and it's just going to be miserable out, but kind of all gather around that wood stove or that fireplace and you're warm and it's enjoying and it doesn't even matter what's happening out, outside around you, you in that moment are comfortable and you're really having a good time. In this series, what I want you to think about is just as a wood stove is in the center of your home and it's heating up your home, passion is like the flame that heats things up in your home. 
It's passion in your marriage that makes every other part of your marriage better. As you sit here in the services and you're thinking through this service, and I want you as a married person to begin to think through your relationship. What does it look like? What is the condition of your marriage right now? Is there a flame that's burning hot? Is there a flame that's on the decline? Or is there just kind of a cold wood stove and there used to be something there, but there's nothing any longer? I want you to begin to think and ask yourself, has our passion burned out? If you're here and you've never been married or you hope to be married one day, what I hope that happens for you during our, this message and during this series is that you just begin to have faith for something different than the world says is available, that you begin to have faith for something better than, um, than just kind of maybe what's been handed down to you, that you have faith in God that what he's calling you into is a great thing. God doesn't call people into marriage to ruin their life, but he calls people in their marriage to show himself to them and um, for it to be a blessing to e each person. And our world kind of speaks the opposite to that, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, a, a lot of advice encouraging people not to get married, encouraging, you know, don't do that to yourself, don't, don't mess up your financial life like that, don't do that. Uh, but if you're here, you just begin to dream and get a vision for something better, something that God has for you, which is definitely different than maybe anything uh, your friends or family have experienced before. If you are here and you're married, I want you to begin to think through your, your marriage and why, why is the reason that you're married? Maybe not necessarily why you got married, but why are you still married? Is it just for, uh, because it's a convenient financial arrangement? Uh, it, you know, two incomes are better than one. Uh, or or if, even if one spouse isn't working, you know, being married is, uh, is a better deal, financial deal, than having to pay for child care or daycare. It's easier to save for retirement, and then maybe the kids are all gone and they're not even there, but you just think through, I could never afford rent on my own, so we're just going to stay married because financially it makes sense. If... And, and so what about this? Are you married, have you only just gotten married to have children? Or are you only still married because you have children? And you're just together for the kids, and then once they leave, at that point, you'll make the arrangements and the decisions to end your marriage and to restart your life. God has not made you and brought you together to be business partners. He hasn't just called you together to run a household and to raise some kids. That's not, that's not what he has for you. God has designed you and your spouse to be companions and to be lovers. This is something he's ordained for you. He's designed for you. Something that he wants for you. That at the center of your home, there would be passion. There would be roaring heat. There would be, there would be roaring flames. There would be lots of heat. Can I get an amen? As we kind of have that truth that a cold house is worse than a cold, or a cold marriage is worse than a cold house, there's a bigger truth here that I mentioned a little bit, but 
I'll say it again. God wants your marriage to have passion. And that is maybe something different than you've understood a Christian marriage to be. But that's how he designed it. That's what he wants for you. If you've got your Bibles, open up to uh, a book of the Bible that's titled Song of Solomon, or it could be called Song of Songs in uh, your Bible. We're going to be in chapter 8, and we'll be looking at verses 6 and 7. And this book, Song of Solomon, um, when people find out it's in the Bible, if they have no familiarity with the Bible, they're a little bit surprised because it is talking about um, the, the joy and the blissfulness of a, of a married sexual relationship. It's a, 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 a song and poetry going back between a young bride and a young groom, and they're talking oftentimes very explicitly about what they're enjoying, about what they're going to do to each other, and uh, this is right here in the Bible, showing us something about God and showing something us to us about His design for us and, uh, and, and what He has for us. So the part of the scripture we're going to read is, uh, again, part of this song, and they're talking about love. So it starts at verse number six, and it says, Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. And what they're saying right here is that love burns like a hot fire. Bright fire is a hot fire. And love, and so there's passion, and there's flame, and there's heat, and there's this idea that love, like a fire, has great power and usefulness, but also love, this understanding that it can be used for both good things and bad things. And maybe you've been on the, on the kind of the, the side of passion where you've been burned and you've been hurt, and you think, um, I'm never going to allow myself to kind of go down that road again, to trust my spouse again, or even to be remarried again. But... What they're talking about here is that love also has something great for us, that it has um, uh, great potential for us, it has great benefit to us, and, um, and then it is something that we should pursue and enjoy and appreciate. Now, I want to read you the same verse of Scripture, but in a different translation of the Bible. I'm going to read it to you out of the New American Standard Version, and when this when this part of scripture was originally, originally written in Hebrew, um, the, what happens is, as people get together and they try to translate it from Hebrew to English, there can be a few different ways to interpret it and to get understanding of what, this, of what these Hebrew words mean. So I'm going to read it to you again in, in, uh, in a different translation of the Bible. And it says, love, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. So you take both of those understandings of the scripture, what you're beginning to see is, and what they're, what they're describing is, love burns into flames. Love burns and, and it causes a flame and a, and a heat, but that flame is the very flame of Jesus. That it's, it's the work of God when two married individuals have passion and love for each other, that it's the work of God in their life. It's something supernaturally is happening when you are in love with each other and you love each other and you have a passion for each other. 
It's a miracle. It's something supernaturally that's taking place. This scripture is helping us to understand that it is God, it is Jesus who originates passion in a marriage. When he created us and he designed us, passion wasn't an unknown side effect that he had no idea was going to happen. It was something he deliberately designed in us to experience and to enjoy. We also know that if he originated it, that part of his process is rekindling that love and rekindling that passion um, in, in a marriage, and it's his plan to keep it burning. Is think about that. How is it? How do we, as people who follow Jesus, as people who are married, or as people who will one day get married, how do you get married and stay in love for 40, 50, or 60 years? How do you do that? And not just, not just survive the marriage. I remember when my grandparents, uh, we were at their 50th wedding anniversary, and, uh, and I, re- I don't know what was happening, if my uncle was harassing them and told them to kiss. And so I remember when my grandparents kissed each other, had that 50th wedding anniversary, they hadn't done that in a long time. And I'm like, this is a symptom of them having two twin beds. I'm like, it's Nick at Night culture. Um, and, uh, and, and so they'd been married for a long time, but they wouldn't, I don't think they would describe themselves as in love. I remember asking my grandfather, how did you remember, uh, it's a French for grandmother, how did you, how did you remember stay married for so long? And he's, he's basically said, well, we just stayed married. And like, that was his answer. It's nothing romantic or flowery. He's like, oh, you, just, you just don't leave. I'm like, I man, I guess you got a point there, yeah. All right, thanks. Um, and uh, that's not what I mean. How do you do that? And, and there are very probably very few examples. And if you have an example in your life, you are very very fortunate. So if you find yourself as a married couple who, you know, that kind of flame has been burnt out or it's kind of on the decline, it's grown smaller and smaller, Jesus is one who rekindles that, who builds it back up and brings it to a place of, of heat again. And then not only does he, is he the originator of it, not only does he rekindle it, but he is the passion in a marriage. It's his love which we experience and it's his love in which we live that builds that passionate love that we're talking about is built upon. It's knowing his love, experiencing his love, that we're now able to build a passionate love uh, upon that. And an example of this, to kind of back this up in Scripture, is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25. And Paul tells Christian husbands this. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ, Jesus Christ, loved the church. He gave up his life for her. So we love our wives um, passionately, sacrificially, but we love our wives just as Jesus loves us. There's something great that Jesus has for us. Now, the question we begin to ask is we just kind of keep working through this analogy. The question you'd ask is, well, how do you start a fire? And we're not going to talk about that a lot because if you, because we want to really take our time to talk to married couples but if you're if you're single and you're 
going to look through how do you start a fire. Um, if you just take, uh, just keep playing with this illustration, if you're going to start a fire, you need Tinder, no, not the app, you need kindling, and you need a spark, and you need a lot of patience. If you've ever tried the light of fire without a match or a lighter, it's very difficult. It, takes a long t- it can take a long time. It, it, it takes a, a time to get the spark from the flint and steel to catch the tinder and for that to ignite. And then you've been kind of slowly building the fire around that. If you are here and uh, you've never been married or you're currently not married, or even if you're married but there's no flame, how do you start a fire uh, it, it, I mean, it takes a lot of patience. And one pastor put it this way. He said, purity paves the way to intimacy. So how you live your life now and the purity that you engage in your life now paves the way for passion in your future. It allows you to uh, be in a place to experience passion that you wouldn't otherwise. And that doesn't mean that it will be easy. And if you live pure now, then you're going to have a perfect marriage. Marriage is always hard work. And maintaining a fire is always hard work. And uh, they will always go out if you neglect it. Um, but this is something that, uh, this is a way, living pure in your life, trusting that, that the way following Jesus is the best way to live. And trusting that Jesus is not withholding something from you, but he has something better for you. So you just live opposite and different than the way anybody else is living. Now, if you're going to start a fire, the best time to start it is before the flames go out. Or even before, um, before it's just completely grown cold. So you're in a marriage now and it's like you're just realizing we don't have a hot, we, we don't have this, this heat, this passion in our marriage. But you can begin, if you can begin to think back, did you used to? And maybe you've done this before where it looks, you, it looks like there's no fire and everything's burnt out. But if you throw a log on that, there's enough embers left. There's enough heat left that if you wait a little bit, it will reignite on its own. And the best time to start a fire is before it goes out. So you may feel that, um, that it's been so long that there's no hope for it. But if you can just begin, even right now, working on it, whether it's just a little bit of flame or just a barely a little bit of red sparks in the bottom, uh, begin to work with that and something God will definitely supernaturally do something to uh, ignite it again. And I believe that for you. Now the question though that we'll spend a little bit more time talking about is not how to start a fire, but how do you keep a fire going? How do you stay married for decades and decades and decades and still, and still love each other and still have passion for each other? How do you do that? And this tending the fire, this, this passion that you have, it is something that will get you through some of the worst winters of your life, some of the worst seasons of your life, seasons of sickness, uh, with you or a spouse or a child, seasons of trauma, uh, seasons of young kids, and, and if you've been there, you get that. And what happens, you know, what can happen is because of just the stress of life, you're going through all these difficulties, and if that fire grows cold, um, it's just, what are we even here for? What are we existing? And you just, just 
like kind of going through the motions every day. But if you've got that, that fire, that passion, then the, the, even the, the middle of the night wake-up calls of kids being sick and, the, uh, and just the stress and the financial problems, that fire keeps you together working through it. It doesn't matter really what's going around, uh, around you. When you have each other and you have that love for each other, you're able to get through and walk through any problem. So if you're going to keep a fire going, you need good fuel. You need the right things, put, keep putting the right things in your relationship and removing, uh, removing wrong, kind of wrong things out to, uh, to allow it to keep generating over and over again. Every marriage needs tending. Every fire needs to be stoked and needs to be um, developed. Now, there's good fuel that you put in, but there's also bad fuel that you can put in. And these are some things that our culture is encouraging couples to do to get a spark again, to reignite their relationship, to reignite their passion. And as your pastor, you may not agree with me, but I think it's important that we talk about this because um, I think you need to know what a good fuel is and what a bad fuel is. Pornography is a bad fuel for your relationship. It's a bad fuel. But our culture kind of says the opposite. Like, hey, if you want to spice things up, if you want to reignite passion, then you need to bring pornography into the marriage. But bringing pornography into the marriage is like trying to get a fire going using a five-gallon jug of gasoline. And it is not going to create the type of heat that you want. It's going to create really an, an explosion in your life, and it's going to cause devastation. And, um, and it, is, it is not something you want to introduce in your relationship or your marriage. It's going, to bring you far, it's going to bring you far greater problems than the ones you currently face. Another bad fuel is the fuel of demands. And demands are like rotten wood, and it looks like it's going to be helpful uh, but you put it, you, if you got a flame you put, and you pile that thing full of rotten wood, that wood's going to put that fire out. And your demands for intimacy, your demands for passion, these are not things that increase the fire, but they're things that cause the fire to go out. These are not fuels that you want to use to start a fire that's going to last for decades and decades. So what are those, what are, what are the good fuels that we use in our relationship? First is emotional connectedness, and this means that you, uh, you, uh, you, you feel in touch with your spouse. You, you, you're understanding how each other are feeling, and you care about how each other are feeling. You have conversation. You have concern for each other. You have compassion for each other. So you're not kind of sharing blows of like, oh yeah, you thought your day was bad? Yeah, listen to my day. And you're like, Kind of trying to one up each other and who has the worst life. Um, uh, <laughs> you're, what, what you're trying to do is to, is to hear each other, to understand each other. And it kind of goes without saying, but you can't have passion without compassion. That your heart is toward your spouse, your heart is concerned for your spouse. Second good fuel is that of physical connectedness. When, pa- when a passionate marriage works well, it works very, very well. However, when it doesn't work well, it's awful. 
and with physical connectedness, uh, one psychologist said this. She, uh, she said, when sex works badly, it can take away 50 to 70% of marital satisfaction. It's this big, it's this, you know, you've got a house, you've got a marriage, and it doesn't matter how nice your couch is, if you don't have a heating system, uh, you, you just, you're just miserable. And physical connectedness is something that God designed and is something that is a good fuel that helps your passion for each other. Now, people are in all kinds of different stages and different places in their life. So you need to decide what is, what is the right amount of fuel for your relationship. But if you're in a place where you're, you're, there's, there's difficulty, do what it takes to, bring, uh, to, to, bring, to get help for that part of your relationship, to, see, uh, to get therapy, to see doctors, to get advice, and to not give up or neglect that part of your relationship, because that is very important fuel for the passion of your relationship. And the last kind of good fuel that's really important is spiritual connectedness. The Bible describes that when a man and woman become husband and wife and they consummate their relationship, that something supernatural happens. It says, two become one. That doesn't just mean kind of all the logical things like, oh, two bank accounts become one bank account, um, uh, two leases become one lease, two last names become one last name. It's not talking about that. It's talking about spiritually something supernatural happens and two souls are mingled together and they become one soul. That is one of the things that makes divorce so painful and uh, because it is, a, it is a really a, a tearing and a separation of your soul. It's very, very, very painful. And the spiritual connectedness is something that doesn't just happen once on your wedding day, but it's something you develop and something that can become stronger and stronger. And you can do simple things like praying together to help continue to fuel that passion and to continue to fuel your relationship. And praying together is not elaborate, it's not even difficult, but if you've never done it before, it can, it can be awkward and, um, and you can feel embarrassed, but it's as simple as when you're laying in bed holding their hand and say, hey, can I pray for your meeting tomorrow? Simple as holding their hand and say, hey, will you pray with me that the kids sleep through the night? Just that act of praying together continues to connect you spiritually and continues to allow you to have a flame and a fire that's going to burn for decade and decade and decade and decade and decade. What I want to encourage you, because you're going to take steps now, you're, you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at kind of the, the flame that exists and whether there's just embers left or or there's a flame, or you begin to say, hey, we have a flame, but it was, you know, it was bigger six months ago before I took that new job, or, or the flame was, was stronger and brighter when we first got married, but now we've just neglected it for so long. Uh, as you're kind of evaluating all that, maybe one of you has been putting water under the fire, and are like, I just can't wait for this thing to be over. I just want to get out of here. What I hope that would happen for the two of you is you would say, you know what, I don't want this to burn out. I don't want, I don't want this marriage to be this way. 
and you begin to communicate to your spouse, you know what, I love you. I don't want you to leave. You know what, I love you. I don't want our relationship to be like this. I want us to be close again. I want us to laugh again. I want us to love each other again. And what I just encourage you to do is don't extinguish the flame that's beginning, that's begun to be built. And you can extinguish it by saying, you're only, you're only just trying to be physical with me. You could extinguish the flame by saying, I don't believe that you'll ever change. You could extinguish the flame by saying, I'm never going to forgive you for the things that you did. Listen, don't do that if you're still married. Um, just make a commitment and say, let's, let's grow this flame. Let's go through the hard work of, of, of clearing things out, of, of, of fixing things, of getting things ready, that this could be a heat source for us again. This could be something that we enjoy again, something that we gather around again. You're going to have to overcome the awkward, awkward conversations and, and overcome um, conversations that you've been avoiding for years. You're going to have to overcome the fear of getting burned is saying like, you know, I'm going to put all this effort into it and then, and then it's just going to be a disaster. I'm going to get hurt again. You're going to have to overcome all of that and you're going to have to talk to each other and listen to each other and forgive each other. And here's, here's the thing, because if you just imagine, you know, in your home you have no heat source, all right, and, and it's cold and it's freezing cold and you're just thinking through, I don't know how we're going to make it through this winter, you, you know, two more months. I don't know how we're going to make it through. We're freezing. We're going to die. You, you know, the house is going to be damaged. And if you're in that place and you, were at, and you were even able to find a lighter, at that point when you found that and it just went like that and you just had that one spark, you would celebrate that spark. It would even change the entire way you're looking at everything. To say where before you thought you were going to die, now there's a spark and you're, and you're saying, uh, wait a minute, there's hope for us again. There's something that could happen again. And even in, in negative 40 degree weather, if you have a flame this big, which is nothing you can heat your house with, it's nothing that you can, uh, you know, that we could use to heat our church this morning if the heat went out. But the flame this big is enough to say, man, everything's changed now. We can do something with this, and we can build upon this, and, and, and things can change. Our entire future can change now because there's been a spark and there's been a flame. And let's begin to, ten, you know, you tend this and you would cherish this and you would do everything you could to protect this and to build upon this until it was something now that didn't just change your life but change your future and your kids and their future. It's what I want for you. Wherever we are, wherever you are, no matter what condition your marriage is in, to begin to look for the spark. If you close your eyes, I want to, I just want to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for every person in here. I pray for those who have, uh, who are not married. Uh, I just pray that they will trust you, continue following after you, continue living their life in a way that's following you, in a way that's pleasing to you, and not being sidetracked by what the world is offering or, or what they think will, uh, will bring passion into their life, but they'll, they'll trust you with all of their life. God, for those who are married today, man, I just pray you help them to tend to their flame, to, 
to the build up passion in their life, that there would be, that there would be uh, uh, roaring heat in their relationship again. They did begin today, even if the fire has grown very cold between the two of them, they look at each other and say, this is not what I want. This is not how I want to live. They begin to take steps to create a spark. They begin to take steps to build a flame. Using language of repentance, saying, I'm sorry, I've sinned, will you forgive me? Using uh, praying together for their relationship, that God will change their hearts, that God will forgive them, that God will reconcile them. Even in, in their physical relationship, to just begin to take, to, to slowly kiss each other goodbye, that a spark would ignite, and marriage wouldn't be just be endured, but it would be enjoyed. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name.